Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. Happy New Year <gasps> and Monday. Oh, yay. Happy New Year. I 2023. Finally, 2023. Mm-hmm. Did no, you? I think it came quick. Well, it did, but I'm saying... I'm saying it because did you notice on my very first wine video, I said, uh, wine tasting 2023. I did. I was like, and then you were like, oops. (laughs) (laughs) It just like came out. So so we're actually in 2023 now. Yeah. You guys should go back and watch Christy's TikToks, by the way. And mine, maybe. I don't know if I've put them up yet or not. But we did. Christy did 12 days of wine. Yes. They're funny. I like to watch her. I tell her, I told her she needed to be a professional wine tasting TikToker. I mean, I don't know that I'm that that good at it, but thank you. I appreciate you. I enjoy watching them. And I think (laughs) that I would even if I didn't know you is the thing. Hmm. Possibly. Possibly. Anyway, I don't even like wine that much. I just think it's interesting. (laughs) You're interesting to me. (laughs) Well, I'm not like a sommelier taster where I'm like, oh, notes of whatever. Like, yes, I smelled flowers in that one. It totally tasted like flowers. Mm-hmm. It's gross. Yeah, that was funny. Anyway. All of mine have been gross pretty much. So anyway, Happy New Year. Sorry we missed you last week. We hope everyone had a great break with their family. We did. When this drops, you're somewhere, right? I forget uh-huh. where. Um, Florida. Florida. Mm-hmm. So... Party still going for you, and we hope everyone had a great and fun and safe New Year's. Yes. And we have something special for you today. We are not going to release one of our regular crime episodes. We are going back into the closet, the deep closet of our Patreon, and we're going to release one of those episodes for you because we want you to get the vibe and the feel of what goes on over there. For our closet sisters who have already heard this, it is a slightly older one. So you can go back and listen to that because it is, you haven't heard it for a while and it's a doozy. Mm -hmm. It is. It's really, it's interesting. Yeah. We go off the beaten path over there on Patreon. We choose our own cases on Patreon, which is really fun. I have a personal connection to this particular case and yeah. It's going to be good. Yeah, it is. Enjoy. Yeah. (laughs) Let us know what you think by joining Patreon. Yeah. (laughs) $3 a month over there. You get one bonus crime episode every single month. And then we throw in a couple other things that are a lot of fun. And if you are a Patreon member, there was a case that released in the middle part of December that was a Christmas crime, which is pretty bananas. Oh, yeah. Yeah forgot about that one yeah so come come hang out over there all right i'm ready (laughs) okay well let's just get into it then hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline 
Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets Patreon. This is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. And this is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. Welcome back, Closet Sisters. Welcome in. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. So I am coming at you with an amazing case today. Oh, man. I'm excited. Before we get started, though, I do just want to say that we appreciate you guys so much for joining us here in the Patreon closet, and we appreciate your support. And it's a lot of fun for us to do these special bonus Patreon episodes because we get to pick cases that we love and Mm -hmm. that are a little off the beaten true crime path. So that being said, this case is a little off the beaten true crime path. In this case today, there is no murder. (gasps) People die. Somebody does. But there's no murder. There's definitely crime. And it's definitely, definitely crazy. It's a doozy. Okay. So get ready. Okay. For today's case, I am taking you down south to Key West, Florida. Ooh, I like me some Key West. We love us some Key West. Key West, if you don't know, is at the southernmost tip of Florida. It's the southernmost city in the United States. It's right on the edge, literally on the edge of the country and is 90 miles from Cuba by water. Back in 2010, I think, my husband and I spent a bunch of time in Key West. We've been there several times, but particularly in 2010, we had uh, we went on a tour, which it has a very interesting history of like Key West, which is one of the country's most haunted cities, it is believed. And while we were on this ghost crime tour of the city, we learned all kinds of fascinating things about Key West and some creepy things that took place there. Fun fact, you know, Chucky? Mm -hmm. That story is based on a alleged true story of a doll that is from Key West. And you can go see the doll. Like Chucky OG. You can go see him. Does it look like Chucky? No. It's just like a weird doll. Um, Oh my gosh. So, you know, I'm really. You're not supposed to take a picture of it or he'll haunt you. (laughs) I didn't. I did not take a picture. (laughs) I don't know if I would either. I am fascinated by like ghosty and like spooky stuff because I've taken so many tours in St. Augustine. That's where I went to college. And so I did like multiple tours. I could like verbatim tell you them. Um, so I'm shocked that I've not done that in Key West, probably because Emery doesn't care about that and we always go together. I should just do it by myself. You should <laughs> peel off and do it. We did them, we did several and they were a lot of fun. So I learned this story on one of those tours. Ooh, fun. And I am gonna tell it to you today. This is the story of Elena Hoyos. Okay. Okay. Maria Elena Miagro de Hoyos was born July 31st, 1909 in Key West, Florida. She was the middle sister of three girls. Her father was a cigar maker in a local factory, and her mother was a homemaker. Elena was a gorgeous Cuban-American girl with beautiful, long, dark hair. She was very shy, and that made her sort of mysterious. In 1926, when she was 16, she married a man named Luis Mesa, and the two of them lived together in Key West. However, shortly after they got married, Elena suffered a miscarriage, and Luis left her and moved to Mm -hmm. Miami. 
Oh, no. Yes, that wasn't nice. No. The two of them didn't speak really after that, but they never formally got divorced. So they were still legally married, even though they were not together. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And I think it might have had something to do with their religion. So like Cuban Americans, divorce may be, you can't do it. Mm, well, and the time too, like at the, like way back when, right? how common was divorce, you think? Right. It's mm-hmm. true. So in April of 1930, when Elena was 20 years old, she was brought to the Key West Marine Hospital because she was very sick. She was given a battery of tests and x-rays, and it was determined that she had tuberculosis, Mm. which at that time in 1930 was an incurable disease with a very low survival rate. Mm. There were little to no treatment options for people with TB, and they were almost always just sent home to either ride out the disease or die. Right. So Elena was sent home. While she had been at the hospital, the radiological technician, the guy who took the x-rays of her lung to um, confirm the diagnosis, noticed her. And he became immediately enamored with her beauty and her shyness. And this man was 52-year-old Carl Tanzler. Okay. So George Carl Tanzler was born in 1877 in Germany. He had one sister, and when Carl was in his 40s, he married a woman named Doris, and the two of them had two daughters. In 1926, Carl immigrated to the United States alone and moved to Zephyrillis, Florida. Zephyr Hills. Zephyr Hills. <laughs> Zephyr Hills. Okay, Zephyr Hills, Florida. So that's Sorry. where his sister lived. No, good. I'm glad you corrected because mm-hmm. you know people would write in. <laughs> so his sister had already moved to the U.S. and that's where she was living. And so he just immigrated there and lived near her. Now, soon after he moved, his family actually followed him to Florida. But just a few months after that, in 1927, Carl decided to leave where they were and took a job as as a radiology tech at the U.S. Marine Hospital in Key West, Florida. So he's already left his family in Germany. Now he's left them again in the city they were living in in Florida. So this time his wife did not follow him to Key West. Okay. So Doris was like, okay, Carl. You seem to be running by. See you later. Right. I mean, I, clearly these are not like decisions that he's making like with her. Like, okay, I'm going to take a job. You want to move to Key West? He's just like, I'm taking a job. I'm out. Bye. And he like leaves. Right. Exactly. That's crazy to me. So when he moved to Key West, he decided that he was going to change his name and he started going by Count Carl von Kossel. Count? Can you just give yourself that? Yeah. He just claimed he was a count. Can I do that? You are counts only men. Well, maybe if you move to Key West. Well, yes. Countess. You can be a countess. A countess. Mm -hmm. My name is Countess Christie. Please refer to me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, from that, you can probably guess that Carl was a very eccentric character. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was weird. He kept abandoning his family and moving different places, which is not a good look. And now he's pretending to be a count. So that's super weird and random. It makes me appreciate that Emery asked me to come with him every move that he made. 
It doesn't go by count Emery randomly. Well, that's true. <laughs> okay. True. So he also claimed that when he was 12 years old, an ancestor, a countess specifically, mm. came to him in the middle of the night and showed him a vision of the woman that would become his true love and his destiny. Ooh. She was an exotic, dark-haired woman with a mystery about her. Does it sound like anyone we know? Mm -hmm. A direct quote from Carl is that she was a beautiful raven-haired Spanish beauty. Oh. He then claimed that when he was living alone, that the same beautiful Spanish woman had come to him every night for seven nights. She never spoke to him, but she had become his friend, his companion, and her presence comforted him. Oh. So, in 1930, when he meets the beautiful 20-year-old, terminally ill Elena Hoyos, he immediately believes that she was the woman that was shown to him in the vision. And Well, and it works out for him because he doesn't have to ask her to move if she's terminally ill. He's <laughs> not sorry, sorry. away from her anymore. He's like, well, this could work out for me short time. <laughs> is not how he starts. Just you wait. Okay. His obsession okay. with her becomes really aggressive. And when she's released from the hospital, he begins overseeing her care, even though he's not a doctor. He's a radiology tech. Can I ask, do you know, like, at this point, like, how much time she's given when she's sent home? I don't know. No, it never talks okay. about that. And I don't know that they even, the disease was really new back then. So mm -hmm. I don't even know that they did things like that. I think it was just like, you're either going to die or you're not. So right. you, you just go have home. to ride this out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. So he starts overseeing her care from home and he brings her, she lives with her family. He brings her tonics and elixirs and all of these like remedies, experimental things to her home. He sneaks expensive equipment out of the hospital to administer infusions like IV poles, things like that. He even sneaks out an x-ray machine so that they can keep progress on her lungs and like how the disease is progressing or whatever. Gosh, how's he sneaking all this stuff out? That seems like it's big. I know. Like, right? Back then for sure. Even now, like I well, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So this is all he's just trying to save her from dying of tuberculosis. So this is during the Great Depression, right? So this is in 1930. And Elena's family was poor. Um, they were immigrants from Cuba and they didn't have a lot. And so they were thankful to accept this help from this wealthy German doctor. Right. Her yeah. family called him Carlos. And it's interesting to note that her family and her were Cuban-Americans, so their first language was Spanish, and he was German, so his first language is German. And so there was a crazy language barrier between the two of them, but they did both speak like limited English. But it's just interesting, okay. an interesting dynamic to keep in right. mind. Yeah. I don't think of QS as this melting pot. <laughs> There's a lot of Cuban Americans in Key West. Well, yeah, but I mean, like he's German. Oh, I'm saying, like, right. Like, I don't know. I think it is but, now for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Carl was very open about his love and affection for Elena. On top of all of these medical remedies and treatments and equipment that he would bring in, he would also bring her beautiful jewelry, chocolates, fruits, which were 
rare during this time. He would mm-hmm. tell her that they could get married and that he would take care of her and he would nurse her back to health. And she was nice to Carl because she did believe that he was trying to help her, but she would also tell him that she couldn't marry him because she was dying, she had no future, and because she was still married to another man. So although she was grateful for his help and like his dedication to making her well, the romantic affection was not reciprocated. Okay. And also he's 52 and she's 20. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Oof. <laughs> but Carl was determined. He was determined to be with Elena and to take care of her. He truly believed that she was his destiny. At some point, Elena's family even became disturbed with the amount of attention and gifts and affection that Carl was giving to their young, dying daughter. And they decided this is inappropriate. I'm skeeved out a little bit. So they... Also, he was like constantly trying to give her all these treatments and like medical procedures and things like that. And it was exhausting for her because Mm -hmm. she was sick. She was dying. She had TB and he just kept like pumping her full of stuff and doing all these treatments and these weird remedies and stuff. And she it was just exhausting to her at some point. And so the family actually decided that they were going to move. They were going to leave. They were going to get away from Carl. And they didn't tell him where they were going. And they asked their neighbors and their friends, like, look, he's going to come around here looking for us. Don't tell him where we are. However, Carl ended up finding out where they were and went to their house and just came in and started right back up again. Like, they weren't running away from him. (laughs) Okay. So I I think at this point they were just like, okay, we tried to get away from him. And now what can we do? But sadly, in October of 1931, Elena passed away from her illness at the age of 22. So she does not make it. Mm -hmm. Carl insisted on paying for the funeral and the family because they were poor and had limited means agreed to let Carl help with them in laying Elena to rest. Carl hired hired a mortician to embalm Elena's body, which was not common practice back in the early 1930s. It was more reserved for the wealthy. Mm. He also had a death mask made of Elena in order to preserve her beauty. Do you remember what a death mask is? We talked about this back in the Babes in the Woods case. Yeah, I feel it. I I can't. It's not like coming to me. Okay, it's like a mask made of plaster. Of her face. And so they would like put plaster over her face and let it sit and then peel it off. And it was so it was like a mold. And that's all they did with it? They didn't do anything else with it. What do you mean? Well, he wanted it. Right. But I'm saying like, it's just a mold. You don't use that mold to make like. Well, you can. Yeah, you can. You can pour stuff in it and make like. um, Yeah, you can do that. Okay. But in this particular situation, it was just like a plaster mask. Got it. So in the case that we talked about it before, the babes in the woods, the reason why they made it back then, because it was way back in the day as well, and they had to bury the bodies, but the girls were unidentified. And so they made these masks of their face so that they could put the masks of their face on in newspapers and things like that and say, do you know these girls? 
Mm-hmm. So that's why they did it then. He just did it because right. he thought she was beautiful and he wanted to be able to continue to look at her beauty, which is super. Yeah, which is why I would think that, which maybe it wasn't just like an option, but like I would think that he would want to like actually make her face. Well, yeah, you can, you can cut really it out and then paint it and all this stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Carl also had a special casket made with a tank inside of it that had formaldehyde that continuously circled formaldehyde through Elena's body to keep it as preserved as possible. Wow. He was a smart guy. How long did that last? I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So when they went to bury Elena, Carl realized that the cemetery, all the cemeteries in Key West flood because it's below Mm. sea level. It's right on the, on the ocean. And so he didn't want to put her under the ground because he knew that her body would really quickly get waterlogged and, you know, it's Key West. So he asked the family's permission to build her a mausoleum and the family agreed. So this mausoleum was one of the biggest in the cemetery, and it really is like a stone house. I saw a ton of pictures of it and a ton of sketches. It's very elaborate. It's very beautiful. And Carl kept the mausoleum locked all the time, and he also would lock her casket. And at the time, he was the only one with a key. Hmm. So he he was the one who was to secure her remains. Okay. So he would use this key every single evening and go and visit Elena in the mausoleum. Now this is where it's going to get weird or weird dedication weirder right there. So he would go to work every day at the hospital. And then every evening at the end of the day, he would go to the mausoleum and he would sit with Elena's coffin and talk to her and sing her songs. And Carl said that it was during this time that her spirit would come to him while he was talking to her and singing to her and she would talk to him and they would visit and they would get to know each other and build this relationship. And then eventually she started telling him that she wanted out of that place and she wanted to go home with him. So people, yeah, people (laughs) would start, would see him visiting the cemetery every single night and word got around about this. And he started really being seen as like this creepy old guy who was always in the cemetery visiting one of his like patients in quotes. She wasn't really his patient because he was a doctor again, but so eventually his behavior just got weirder and weirder. And it came out that he was stealing all this stuff from the hospital and he eventually was fired from his job And after that, it seemed like he really became just unhinged. Mm. So in April of 1933, Carl just got super sick of all these people talking about how he was at the cemetery all the time. And he was this weird dude and he didn't want to stay away from the cemetery because he needed to go and visit with Elena. So he decided, I'm just going to have to bring her to my house. She wants out of here anyway. They're not, you know. It's like the public are keeping me from her, judging me. So I'm just going to bring her home. So he used a kid's red wagon. Like picture radio flyer. Like the radio flyer. (laughs) We have one. And he brought her casket back to his home, sneaking it through the streets of town in the middle of the night so that no one would know. Now, mind you, this is April 1933. 
Right. And Elena died in October of 1931. So this is 18 months from her death at this point. Oof. So he brings her coffin home and it's locked and it's this special coffin with the formaldehyde tanks, you know, that he would refill and all this stuff. And it wasn't long after she was in his home that she would beg him to be let out and set free so that they could be together. And so he opened the casket and took out her remains. Oh, no. Now, because of the embalming and the formaldehyde circulating through the casket, her remains were pretty preserved, pretty well. I mean, it's been 18 months. There's decomposition, obviously, you know, lots of cleaning up to do and things like that. But he was very happy to do this for her because she was coming back to him and he did not want her to come back to him and come back to life and be in such a terrible state. So he was going to fix her. He was going to take care of her. Yeah, I know. Are you okay? I hope you're not hungry. (laughs) I'm going to ruin your lunch here. Mm -mm. So he continued to inject her with formaldehyde daily. But the decomposition, obviously, especially it's exposed to air, exposed to light. So it begins to get worse over time. And as her remains continue to decompose, Carl used piano wire to reattach her bones and hold her together. He made glass eyes and put them into her face and he stuffed her torso and chest with rags so that they would keep their shape as her. Oh my gosh. Loving. I'm sorry. I had to say something because I knew my face was getting worse, but nobody can hear that. (laughs) It gets worse. It gets real worse. worse. It definitely does. As her skin began to decompose, he would replace it with a mixture of silk cloths and beeswax. And then he would apply paint and makeup to it. As her hair fell out, he would use it to make a wig for her and put it back on her head. He would dress her every day. He would put jewelry on her and he used perfumes and oils for the smell and just to keep her comfortable. He becomes sort of a recluse and would spend mm-hmm. all of his time at home taking care of Elena, in quotes. They would dance. He would play her songs on his organ. They had meals together and she would sleep in his bed. <gasps> he so he didn't just like put her in a chair and leave her there. He was moving her around. Yes, they were. That's correct. And um, he also... This is bad. (laughs) Trigger, trigger, trigger. I feel like I know where you're going right now. He inserted a tube into her so that the two of them could be intimate. And this went on for seven years. Shut up. I can't. It's how the story goes. (laughs) Did her family not notice that her casket was gone? Well, apparently they didn't visit the mausoleum. So, no. Or they couldn't get in because he was the only one with a key. I'm not really sure what the situation was with the family, to be perfectly honest, but I will get there. Well, I mean, I could imagine that possibly that they would be, if they visited, they visited just the mausoleum and just like stood there as if they were visiting I mean, her, I right? sure as heck would That's not go in. Right. So, I guess it's not totally crazy yeah. that they didn't notice, but right. Okay, so go ahead. Any of our family ever has a mausoleum? Just so you know, I'm the one that leaves the flowers at the door. Okay? Not coming in. 
No way. <laughs> okay. okay. Got it. After a while, rumors began circulating around town about Carl and his odd behavior. It did not go unnoticed that he all of a sudden one day stopped showing up at the cemetery. And it also was noticed that he rarely left his home. But when he did, he was purchasing women's clothing and jewelry and perfumes and oils and flowers. And at first, everyone thought that he he just had a lady friend. But after a while, they realized they never saw him with anyone. But he still continued to buy these things. So it was seen as extremely odd. People would also see lights on at his home all hours of the night. They would hear organ music being played all the time. And it's even reported that they could see Carl through the windows dancing with what looked like a life-size doll. Oh, which he was. Right. Except it was not at all. At all. (laughs) Mm -mm. So rumors finally get back to Elena's family. And they went to the mausoleum and I guess somehow were let in and found it empty. So they tracked Carl down to this rundown shack and demanded that he tell them where Elena's remains were, which he happily did. And they were shocked when he brought them in and brought them to his bedroom and they found Elena's mummified corpse. Can you imagine? No. No. So they immediately alerted authorities and Carl Tanzler was arrested and charged with wantonly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a corpse without authorization. That was a crime back then. I thought maybe they had made that a crime at this point because <laughs> this of was it. was in 1940. I don't know if it was the first time anyone's ever been charged with it, but he definitely was. Hmm. When he was arrested and his house was searched authorities found a half-built plane or like airship thing on his property and he told them that he was building that for elena to take her to the stratosphere where the atmosphere would rejuvenate her and bring her back to life oh carl oddly carl was given a psychiatric evaluation and found mentally competent which I think I might have some questions for that psychologist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. At trial, Carl took the stand and was completely unapologetic for what he had done, declaring his undying love and devotion for Elena, saying that she was coming back. She had a second life. He just needed to take care of her until the spirit returned to her body. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in the middle of the tr- of the trial, it was determined that the statute of limitations had expired on all of these charges, and so they all had to be dropped and Carl was released. What's the statute of limitations? 7, Seven years. years. <laughs> <laughs> you lucky son of a I know, right? <laughs> now, it gets even worse. After Elena's body was discovered in Carl's home, she was examined by physicians and pathologists, and rumors of the story spread around Key West and around Florida, and it became sensational. Mm-hmm. It was 1940. So as you can imagine, like, this is some serious kind of crazy mm-hmm. gossip, right? People actually sympathized with Carl, calling him an eccentric romantic and saying things like the headlines, 
true love never dies. It actually okay. does. <laughs> okay. Come on, people. Mm-hmm. Horrifically, Elena's mummified corpse was put on display in Key West, and people would pay $1 to come and view her remains. It is estimated that around 7,000 people showed up to view her body. Oh, my God! So disrespectful. How long did they do that for? Months. Or like a month or something. Weeks. I think it was weeks. Ugh. I can't remember from the tour. But it was a long time. Too long. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Should have never mm-hmm. happened. No. Afterwards, her remains were finally given back to her family, and she was rare reburied in a cemetery in Key West in a secret unmarked grave so that Carl couldn't find her and that she could finally rest in peace. So thank goodness. Four years later, in 1944, Carl moved to Pasco County, Florida, near where his wife lived. Remember, he's married. Oh, right. Oh, you- Yep. And I mean, he didn't move in with her. They weren't like together or anything, but he moved around where she was. And in 1947, he released an autobiography all about his relationship with Elena. So like even then, even years later, he truly believed he did nothing wrong. I read it. You did? I read it. And it is bananas. To say the least. Stay tuned, by the way, Closet Sisters, for that book giveaway. Because I have it. You have it? And I will give it away. You absolutely (laughs) can. It is fascinating. And after reading it, it's him. I mean, it's his own words that he Mm -hmm. wrote about what happened. His version of the story. No one in the world can convince me that this man was sane. Like, he was out of his mind. Wow. 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 (laughs) right he remained that's what i said after every chapter i was like wow (laughs) wow carl (laughs) he remained living alone until he died in july of 1952 at 75 years old when he was found which was a few weeks after he passed away they found a life-size doll that had been made with fabric and plaster and on the doll was the death mask made of Elena just after she passed away. So even to his death, he was obsessed with this woman and believed that she, he and she would still be together. His very last journal entry says, quote, human jealousy has robbed me of the body of my Elena. Yet divine happiness is flowing through me, for she has survived death. Forever and ever she is with me. Bananas. He's not okay. He is not okay. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of local folklore in Key West about this case, which is how I've heard about it. Some people say that the spirit of Elena haunts the funeral home where she was put on display. Some people say that her spirit is in the cemetery where her mausoleum was. Some people say that the mummified remains were actually switched and that Carl really had her body and not Mm. the doll. But I think it's pretty proven that it was actually a doll and not her remains. It's just the folklore. Right. Some people say that Carl had installed a telephone line in the mausoleum so that he could call her 
when the two of them were apart. And that now, even now, a phone can still be heard ringing in the cemetery in the middle of the night. Yeah. Mm. I saw an interview with a forensic pathologist who reviewed Elena's autopsy like in recent years, and he describes it as the most bizarre case of necrophilia that he has ever seen. No kidding. She is known as the corpse bride. Whoa. That is the story of Elena Hoyos. Elena Hoyos. Question. Do we know where she is buried now? No. Now that he's dead, has anybody revealed? No, because her story is still so sensational that they're afraid that people will go to her grave just to see it or whatever. And the family, it was like all of their wishes that she just rest in peace and be left Mm. the heck alone. And she should be left the heck alone. That poor corpse. I know. Poor Elaine. Yeah, right. I know, right? I hope she doesn't know any of this. I hope wherever her spirit actually is, that it is so far removed from this world that she has no clue. But this family, can you imagine if this was your sister? No. (gasps) No. No. Mm -mm. So Mm -mm. I told you it wasn't a murder. I told you it was a crime. (laughs) That is crazy. I feel like my, my eyes did all of my talking today instead of me actually. I was like, I know. (laughs) So when we started a true crime podcast, one of the first things that my husband said to me was, are you going to talk about that corpse bride in Key West? (laughs) I was like, no, not really. It doesn't really like fit what we do or whatever. I mean, it's a crime. It is a crime. So it is, it is interesting. I mean, it's, it definitely fits the Patreon platform for sure, but you probably could have worked it in there as like, if we did some sort of special episode. Like a Halloween one about spooky stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, nope. so, I decided but, I would uh, save it special for the Closet Sisters. That is, that's amazing. Amazing. Everyone else doesn't know what the heck they're missing now. I know. <laughs> and I am going to post some photos of this on the Patreon feed because you just have to see this right like and they're public i mean like it's awful and i hate to do it to her but like seven thousand people came and saw her in person so like i'll post a picture i don't ever post pictures of like people's remains but well i am making a special exception for this particular case at least currently at this moment in time that is only available to a limited amount of people it's true yes (laughs) so and it's um, behind a paywall so it's not like just anyone can come. But if you Google her, right. you can look. I mean, like, they're right, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Able to find it. So, 100%. Oh my gosh. Well, that was fun. That was like campfire story time <laughs> fun. Yeah. Like, I want to go now. Yeah. <laughs> going. Let's go to Key West. Can we make a trip to Key West? Heck and Because yeah. I, I want to take like a ghost tour with you. I say yes <laughs> to it. Okay. 100%. We just did one in New Orleans like a couple of months ago, and it was. Oh, Super cool, but haven't done it there either because I've only been with Emery. You got to do it when you're in these spooky places. Him, you know what? Suck it up and go with me. I, I don't think I. I don't even think I've ever asked him to do it. I just know that it's not like his thing. There's so. drinking ones. It's like oh, go for I, that. I, he can just go for right. that. 
Yeah. Yeah. You can take notes and pictures. <laughs> I'll be like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Notepads. Yeah. And I do yes. think it's well, fun that it's proof that I did used to like true crime back in 2010 or whenever it was that we went. I just didn't know that right. it just wasn't a thing back then. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's true. True, true, true. Well, gosh, thanks for telling us that story. You're welcome. It was, it was, it was fascinating. Yes. I'll send <laughs> you the book. <laughs> well, you don't have to send it to me. I guess I can get it myself. <laughs> no, I'll send it to you and then you can send it on. It'll be all good. Okay. Okay. All right. Because I definitely would love to hear like from his mouth. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> did you read it for this or had you read it already? No, I read it for this because I, I saw that it was an autobiography and I was reading like quotes from the autobiography and I was like, oh my gosh, he's crazy. I need to know everything from his point of view, <laughs> you know, because you hear it from like the, this is a disgusting, awful crime point of view. But like he, he believed, he truly believed that she was coming back. Right. Like to the right. day he died. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was not okay. okay. All right. Okay. Well, thanks again. It was awesome. So fun. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. To all the patrons out there that are continuing to support us, we totally appreciate it. We never thought that we'd actually have more than like one. <laughs> and we're so glad that we do because these stories are super, super great. Yes, they are. And it's fun to do. And um, we're we're grateful for all of you. So stick with us. You'll keep getting some more content. And just always remember, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closet.